Hey there and welcome back to the Angel Investors Access Show. On this series, we talk to startups, angel investors, VC firms, mentors, coaches, and stakeholders that play a part in the Australian entrepreneurial ecosystem. Proudly brought to you by C2 Angels, helping build a community of like-minded aspiring angel investors right across Australia and beyond. Have you booked your angel opportunity investment discovery session yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Become an angel investor today and visit c2angels.com. And now let's head to the next episode and join me with our special guest. All right, welcome back everyone to another episode of Angel Investors Access with your host, Brandon Burns from c2angels.com. Now I'm excited for today's episode because sitting beside me, socially distancing, in our Melbourne studio, finally we've been able to get back to the studio, is uh, people and culture manager, entrepreneur, founder and currently the director at Emergo, Aaron Rao. How are you? I'm fantastic, Brandon. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. It's it's crazy. This is our first interview back in the studio um, and it's awesome to be able to do one finally in person. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's The weather's a little bit stormy out there. We've had some great weather the last couple of days, but good to be back in Melbourne and being able to actually I know. have a chat to someone. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of learnings come out of this virtual environment and, mm. and I'm sure a lot of people have become more comfortable mm. with, with doing it virtually, but there certainly is, I guess in my book, something to be said for that physical element and being able to collaborate in person, you know? Yeah. No, it's definitely, it's definitely forced, you know, how we, uh, how we do work together remotely and, you know, um, distributed workforces are going to be something of the future. There's no doubt about that, but, you know, yeah. getting that connection, you know, having the, uh, the, uh, the water cooler chats and those little <laughs> things that we've missed for so long has just been terrific to uh, get back to and, you know, just even being in here, you get to see just the, uh, the team here connecting with each other, which is just great to see. Yeah, awesome. Now, I want to give everyone listening and watching a bit of context around exactly why I've got someone of your calibre, Aaron, mm. onto the show. Mm. So, obviously, you're currently the director at Emergo, which I'll get you to tell everyone about in a moment. Yep. But you've obviously been a startup founder at uh, Endorser. Better view, long view, and then you've also spent time in that HR and people role at Sportsbet, yeah. Toll Group, you know, big, large corporates, Treasury Wine Estates. Mm. So there's clearly a, a flavour and a theme here for, for HR, people, and, and culture. Mm. But um, I am keen to understand, maybe hit me up with exactly what Emergo does and why you've arrived there after this huge, you know, breadth of experience and diversity. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Really, the impetus to, to starting Emergo was to really work with uh, founders mm -hmm. of early stage ventures looking to raise capital or yep. scale, um, to actually work with them to just take a step back and just mm -hmm. understand the culture that they actually want to create within their, within their startup yep. and um, how they can launch from that because, um, you know, we all want to be part of purpose-led organisations mm -hmm. and, um, and having a defined culture that's deliberate um, to be able to, you know, work through that because being in startup life is tough. Uh, you have your ups and downs mm -hmm. and um, having alignment around culture is really important. So, so that's one thing. Um, yep. But then the second thing is then how do you actually create uh, people infrastructure that will support that culture? Because, yep. um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of founders would have experienced in their time is that uh, is attracting talent um, into the startup scene can be challenging um, and you know there's there's people out there that want to have a career and yeah. um, startups aren't for the faint-hearted it's just not founders it's for the people who choose to be part of a dynamic environment and um, yeah. helping them articulate that be deliberate with that was the reason um, of bringing that together mm -hmm. 
entrepreneurs are, um, as a rule, they've got a great idea or they've identified a problem. Yep. They've built a service or a product and I'm there to partner with them to make sure that they've got their culture right and work through that. Not do their job for them, yeah. you know, but help them do that because um, that's really important in terms of people having a purpose coming into work and, uh, and also then staying with your organisation through the ups and downs and um, delivering against your purpose and having a beautiful business that scales magnificently, of course. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so just share with us now, what's the URL for Emergo so people can Google it whilst we chat? Yeah, of course. So it's emergo.com.au, so I'll spell that for you, E-M-E-R-G-O.com.au. So, uh, yeah, get on board, Get on board. have a look, um, any Founders out there or aspiring founders that want to look at some uh, info or, or reach out, just go through uh, the website. Yeah, beautiful. All right, now before we get to talking about your experience with raising capital, mm. angel investment and exactly how you navigated that a couple of times by the sounds of it, give me an insight into, let's cast your mind back to pre-COVID. Yes. And what a typical day in the life of Aaron Rao would look like. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow, well, it's... Uh, it changes, right, from day to day. I'm a, I'm a father. I've um, got two young children. So like most of you who have got children, um, we've been grappling with the homeschool and uh, I make a terrible teacher. So um, that, won't be, uh, that won't be on my LinkedIn profile anytime soon. But, um, but no, it's, uh, that's been a really good time for, for us to, to work through that. My wife's also in the, uh, in the startup scene as well. So... Um, she's been working uh, very heavily in her role and she's in people and culture as well. So um, with more of a, uh, a an employment base out of the US and the UK and Australia here as well, of course. But, um, but yeah, we've just been obviously working through that. It's been a really good time for us also just to um, get some balance back into our life as well. Um, it was funny, I was going through your... Uh, your uh, questionnaire before we we're going to have yeah. this conversation. It's like, what would you tell yourself, uh, your younger self, um, if you met them? And it was like, well, just enjoy the ride because it's pretty crazy. And um, yeah. But then I was starting to reflect as well going, well, um, balance as an entrepreneur is really important. Um, when you're more balanced, you make better decisions. Mm -hmm. And um, we've really even just found that as a household during the COVID piece is that uh, we've just really made a conscious effort to balance out what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, prior to that, of course, though, was was really uh, engaging with early stage startups. Um, the business or the, the advisory uh, firm is only new, um, but again, uh, just really working through with, with entrepreneurs to understand what are their true pain points and, um, and building out an offering that's going to hopefully put them at ease and help them build a, a nice business that's gonna have a great culture and deliver against what they want. Cool. Okay, so you've got angel investors listening, mentors, advisors, entrepreneurs, all these people are incredibly time poor mm. and getting distracted all the time yep. by uh, the next priority. What's maybe one productivity hack you've implemented recently into your day that really helps you get more efficiency out of your time? Whether it's something to do with uh, blocking your time or a hack that you've got on email or what's something you do that's really gotten you to a more productive state? Yeah, look, I just, um, in all honesty, it's just around calendar and diary management, really simple. Um, you know, my website, it's not overly elaborate at emergo.com.au, but, uh, 
but just the simplicity of people reaching out and being able to book a time and uh, aligning that with my, my calendar has been a, a huge plus for me, something that I had actually hadn't done for quite some time. Um, and also then uh, just using basically block out time, as you said, and, um, you know, spending time with the kids and, you know, I'm spending my time between Torquay down on the surf coast and up here in Melbourne as well. So it yeah. uh, gives my opportunity to zen out and... Um, and get that balance and, um, you know, hopefully that then rolls out to the experience that I give to founders as well around going, you know, it's not easy making, well, it's, it's, not, it's not that it's not easy, but it's never a good thing to make decisions with a, with a hot head. You always yep. want to have a cool head and um, being able to get that time, get that zen out time to, to really work through that is, is, has been a really good thing and, and been very challenging with the kids at home, but we've got there. I think we just stumbled across the title for this show, Zenning Out. You know, yeah. I like that. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so we've got a lot of aspiring angel investors listening to this show mm. who are first-timers. Yep. So they're really itching to write their first check. Yep. You know, they've seen this venture space that exists. They've watched Shark Tank. Yep. Um, they want to get involved in this mm. exciting, dynamic area that is startup ventures. Yep. But obviously with angel investing comes that risk of, well, if you don't know what you're doing, you know, you might be just losing your money hand over fist. Yep. So obviously we encourage everyone who, who looks to get started on their journey to adopt a process, follow a playbook and a real template that can guide you on, mm. on being successful. Mm. Now, I know that you've been a founder in that space that you love and you dominate as a vertical in HR and people. Yes. Yeah. Um, how does that traverse over to advice maybe you might give to a first-time aspiring angel yes. who's looking to cut a check, make an impact, but they only know what they know? Yeah, of course. Know? Of course. Well, you know, one of the things my principle around the companies that I get involved is and startups as well is that, you know, you just want to get an understanding of the quality of the people behind behind the startup. So mm -hmm. um, there's plenty of great ideas out there, but if they can't articulate, if they don't have the storytelling ability and the ability to... Uh, construct their business in a way that has a great culture, mm -hmm. attracts great people to execute the plan, just really important. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, in my experience trying to raise capital with all the VCs and, and angel investors as well, um, people is a really important facet of their investment decision and um, good people attract good people um, and a lot of these startups require people to execute the plan as well. So, mm -hmm. um, no, I think that's 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 my sort of cornerstone of, mm -hmm. of what I um, consult and advise and give advice to, to startups around is making sure that when they're going through a pitch deck, they see the team, mm -hmm. they understand who the team are, where they've come from, and what is their guiding north star that mm -hmm. they're all working towards as well. Um, but, you know, I, I hear you as well, you know, angel investors, everyone wants that that barbecue story around, you know, the 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 startup or the opportunity that they've got behind. It's, um, it's definitely something that I've always enjoyed telling people my barbecue story and people usually talk about the barbecue story about their career. But who they invest in as well um, yeah. is is something that we all like telling a story about. And, um, yeah, so uh, I get it. But, you know, think about the people behind the startups. Think about their, their culture that they're going to try and pull together as well. Mate, you've just given us a great idea. John, our director, he's going to love the fact that we can try and do a video around a barbecue. 
you yep. know, everyone's you angel investor barbecue story. Yep. <laughs> nah, exactly. Um, you know, they call it, it the elevator pitch as well, but we call it the barbecue story because Correct. You, know, you huddle your friends around and yeah. you go, look, this is what I'm doing. So uh, Maybe we could do it at Bunnings for like a sausage sigil story, you know. <laughs> they're, back, they're back this Saturday, so we could do that. <laughs> we could do that. Now, you mentioned you've had a couple of experiences raising capital, both at a VC level yes. and at a, a mum, dad, family and friends angel level. Yeah, And obviously we talk about at C2 for people how there's an integrated capital pathway that people can go on. And mm. what we mean by that is there's multiple, raise, uh, there's multiple stages sorry, of fundraising. And you need to know when they're going to occur, how much you're going to need to raise yep. and what you're going to need to have done yes. to almost earn the right yep. to be able to be in the conversation. Yeah. So I'd love for you to share with me maybe something that surprised you about when you started your, your foray into raising funds for a venture. Mm. Um, maybe something that surprised you in a good way, something that surprised you in a in a in a bad way. Maybe something that's still got a long way to go to yep. improve. You know. Yeah. Look, I, I will never forget the uh, when we first with one of our early early startups around um, going and doing a roadshow. You know, we had the pitch deck, everything yep. was looking good. We had a good team. We had subject matter expertise. Um, you know, it had global scale. It was going to print money, like all startups do, right? <laughs> um, but this one conversation with a with a VC was around, well, how many customers have you spoken to? Mm-hmm. And it really sort of just put me on the spot. It's like, well, what do you mean? Um, you know, I've, I've got experience. I'm a subject matter expert. I am the customer. And it's like, no, no, no. I want to know how many customers mm-hmm. or prospective customers you have spoken to mm-hmm. to validate... Mm the product and the problem that you're solving. Mm-hmm. And and that really put me on my spot because, you know, there are actually a lot of, you know, one of the biggest risks I think as a, as a founder is that you design a product to suit your needs, not necessarily the market's needs. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a, a really um, ter- big turning point for me because naturally, you know, we get it's, it's easy for me to talk like this, but yeah. um, some people do have core reluctance around, you know, getting on the phone, reaching out to clients and doing your research and um, that really sort of put me back on my backside a little bit and going well actually I need to be able to articulate how many customers I've spoken to, mm-hmm. prospective customers, validate the product, mm-hmm. identify the pain points and work it from there. So I think that 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 was the big one for me, you know, having a HR background and sort of dealing with the, the culture side of things, that was something that came natural to me so that was fine. But again, it was about that. And then I think the other thing was it was all about closing loops as well. Mm -hmm. So um, you've got a product, there's a need. You actually take a a prospective client or uh, customer through the journey and they get to a closed loop to ideally um, handing over some cash or revenue for the product that you've got. So Mm -hmm. again, that um, that that were my biggest sort of, oh, gee, wait a minute. Um, I really need to make a habit of speaking to uh, to customers and clients mm. around understanding their needs and constantly uh, validating what I was doing. Yeah, excellent. That's a great point, um, and and a challenging thing to do because mm. you know we can have conversations, but are we reporting and documenting on what we're getting out of them? Can we provide a data set that answers that question when you get asked it on the spot? And only you're going to know because mm. if you've done that exercise as the founder, you do know. What, what the feedback you're getting and whether what you've got is relevant or not. Yep. But um, uh, something I'm sure you've done. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the tricky thing is too, like with the uh, with the angel investors, maybe they are a client, so they they're able to understand the problem yeah, potentially, that's a good right? Point. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a good thing. But there are a lot of uh, angels out there that that may not be a prospective customer. So you need to be able to articulate that you've done your homework yeah. and you're doing your research and you're constantly validating every time. Yeah. Great. All right. So. We obviously work with a lot of investors who are getting into it for the first time, understanding and educating themselves on the space. And they're writing checks, you know, between the realm of 50 to 200K. So I want you to hypothesize with me for a second. And you're in the shoes of the angel. Mm. And you want to write this check of around 50K into an early stage business. Mm. Let's call it pre-revenue. Let's say it's got a global strategy. It can go and print money eventually and traverse overseas. What are those? You talked about people. What are some of those key questions you're going to ask as the angel to appear confident and like you know what you're doing and also uh, to give that founder the opportunity to show you why they're investable? Yeah, I suppose when you're talking pre-money too, you know, you're not... uh you're not actually at a stage where you're looking to do above-the-line marketing mm-hmm. because you are still working through your product, right? Yeah. So, yeah. again, um, you know, for me, it will be, again, about that validation around your product and friction points and churn. Um, what I mean by that is that there are a lot of great SaaS platforms, for instance, that uh, software as a service for, for the people on the other side of the camera, and and they're fantastic, right? But... Again, you're putting people through flows and you want people to be able to get into flows and complete flows mm. with minimal friction um, mm. because um, – and, and if you can get conversions of people entering a flow and completing that, that is, that is, that is excellent. Gold, yeah. um, so, you know, there's – I would go down, if it's pre-revenue, getting an understanding of the product, mm-hmm. um, but also, again, that validation around – the actual problem that it's solving and the customer, what the customer is actually looking for, mm-hmm. is really important as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suppose the other thing would be is how pre-revenue they are. Um, have they got their development done? Is the product up and running? Is it just at an MVP stage where it's just doing enough to be able to show that there is a logical flow for this product? So again, um, Resourcing and where you allocate that money is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, recruitment is expensive um, and and getting it wrong is even more expensive. So, yeah. again, um, having a clear path around the skills and talent that you require as well to mm-hmm. get to revenue stage is really important as well. Yeah. So, again, they're, they're the sort of three buckets that I'd go for. Yeah. The actual product itself, mm-hmm. where's there's friction and how they can flow through the flow. It's around um, the research and then it's around the talent and skills and capabilities you need to get to that point as well. Beautiful. Love it. Okay, so with that in mind, would you classify yourself as someone that's going to lean to being an active, hands-on, sit-on-the-board, really advisor starter? Mm. Or do you reckon you'd sit more in the bag of being a hands-off, trusting the founder? Interesting question, and I suppose it depends where their strengths are, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that um, I've always learnt that best idea wins, um, and um, if they've got a clear skill set where they're actually working through the problem fine, um, you know what? Give you the space. Come to me when you want advice. Um, I love that. I think in my experience with startups, um, I've learned a lot along the way around how you report to to boards and to investors and initially um, I was of the view that I'd always have to report to the 
to the investor um, yeah. yep. as opposed to actually leveraging their experiences. So mm -hmm. um, I was given some advice before any board meeting or any catch up with investors is, what are the three things that you're trying to solve at the moment? Mm -hmm. um, and if you can walk away with some solutions or some advice or um, they might connect you to someone else that can, mm -hmm. uh, can give you um, some advice on that, fantastic. But um, don't just see investors as money. Mm -hmm. See them as people who have potentially customers or someone who has, has gone down a certain path before and understand their skill set and how they can help you because they want to help you. They want you to be successful. Um, they put their money where their mouth is and mm -hmm. the last thing that they want you to do is have some analysis paralysis by analysis sort of scenario where you're just reporting numbers. Love it. Excellent. Sounds like Dan, just reporting numbers. Now, what I want to know from you is um, what are you reading and listening to right now? There's an oddball well, question. Yeah, well, um, gee, we know there's lots going on in the world at the moment, right? So, um, you know, you uh, you can't help but be um, dragged into obviously what's going on with COVID yep. and then also then obviously the US election as well. So, um, look, I, I find it we're in a really interesting time. So, look, mm -hmm. from my perspective, um, I've just been sort of keeping impartial but keeping interested as well um, and... You know, I think there's going to be a, a number of other issues that are obviously going to emerge, um, you know, for society with global warming and, you know, mm -hmm. Australia coming back into a um, into a summer again. You know, it wasn't that long ago we had those horrendous fires as well mm -hmm. at uh, just after Christmas last year as well. So, um, you know, just there's so many world events going on, hey, Brandon. It's, that, that's <laughs> what's actually actually occupying my brain. So, so, is, so there, uh, is there like a podcast on the go or a, uh, a novel or a... A personal development book? Nah, look, I, I honestly flick around all the time. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm a um, information junkie, um, and I'm one of those sad souls that at three o'clock in the morning, when I can't sleep, I tend to uh, go through and go through a whole range of podcasts and um, and end up falling asleep to it. So um, no, look, I love I love absorbing information again. Mm -hmm. Um, having a young family and the like, it's just when to switch off. And, you know, I've made a real conscious effort of, of trying to do that as well, of course. But, yeah, we, uh, we do get obsessive with information overload. And, look, the good yeah. thing about podcasts is that they are easy. Look, I, I, I will watch this one, of course, and uh, <laughs> I will um, good, subscribe mate. to it and, and watch it as it launches, of course. But, um, again, uh, no, there's 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 a lot of things, you know, even whether it's being Twitter or LinkedIn, all that information. It's just it's just good that we 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 share so much information, which is great. Yeah, great. And you talked also also before, sorry, about great advice you've been given and and you witnessed and that you'd pass on to someone mm. speaking to an investor. I'd love to hear, mate. What's been that juicy, horrible, worst piece of advice you've ever received? And what did you do with it when you got it? And you're like, hang on a minute. I'm not too sure about this. Or maybe you've witnessed really bad advice being given to someone else. Yeah. And you're like, I've got to correct this. You know? Yeah. No, it's... Um, look, I, I think it's it's one of those things. I, I've, I've been a founder and I've, I've had to recruit people, for instance, right? And... Um, some advice I got early days was around how you um, how you try and attract people to a to a startup, and um, you know whether you're bootstrapping or you've got a certain amount of runway um, mm -hmm. before you know you have to you have to obviously generate revenue and the like, um, and um, you know I was given some advice around how to attract talent while you're in that space, and um, yep. 
and and more so that you know don't be too transparent around the position of the business and how it's going yeah right um okay that's that's interesting. bad 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 advice right um and and that's because you know you need to have integrity throughout the process and um you know what is fundamentally i believe wrong with the startup scene is is how um the scene tries to attract people um and you know, um, promises the dream that we're going to be the next, you know, Google or, or LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever. Um, but um, the transparency of being where you're at, mm-hmm. um, the transparency of the business and how it's performing is is really important, particularly when um, you're trying to establish a culture and you want to build resilient uh, characters within your business as well. Um, so, so, yeah, no, it's... Um, it's definitely that was some really bad advice, and yeah. um, look, I'll be honest with you, I didn't follow it, which was good. But <laughs> um, and, and having been in the the HR space for a long time, um, you know, your employment brand, um, it doesn't take long um, for the word to get out that you're a poor hirer and you're not transparent yep. with that stuff as well. Yeah, well, I mean, what you're touching on there is um, this intrigues me, mate. To be honest, like you see businesses like Culture Amp, you see businesses like Canva. Uh, you see businesses like Atlassian and mm. they all appear in some ways to be best practice for like best places in the world to work. Yeah. And it's almost like I could probably tell you that Canva is a particularly awesome place to work and people rave about it mm. more so than I could tell you exactly what it is they do. Obviously, I use the tool so I know mm. to a degree, but it appears there's this whole drive a- yep. uh, around being a destination for people to want a bit talent to go, yeah? Yeah, well, you know, um, if you have a look at those founders, in all honesty, they're, mm-hmm. they're low-ego characters and, um, and they genuinely care about their people. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's no secret to their success around building a sustainable culture and a destination for people to, to go to and, and work for. So, um, you know... Um, it's it's hard to fake that you care, like you know, particularly for a sustained period. And mm-hmm. um, you know, people often forget that those three businesses have been in business for quite some time. They st- not, they're not startups anymore. Um, yep. Ten year are, overnight success. I- exactly right. <laughs> so um, so you know, if they haven't uh, created a, a culture, a deliberate culture mm. um, around what they want to do, um, there is no doubt they wouldn't be as successful as they are today. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and I think just on that too is, you know, we talked the other day actually around um, that scaling challenge of going from, say, 10 to 20 to, say, 40. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to build a culture where you trust your people and uh, particularly when you get to 40, you can't go into the office every day and say good day to everyone. Mm. Um, you, it's really hard to uh, get that pulse check or temperature check on everyone because you rely on people to... Um, be up for the purpose, um, mm-hmm. understand the culture and and really um, self-lead, uh, have a self-led organisation that mm-hmm. um, has a really clear purpose and values and behaviours that they work with each day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that because as leaders, uh, they become so time poor and, uh, and these organisations are big organisations. Yeah. So uh, absolutely love it. I, now, I'm just looking at the question here that I sent you before this show and I didn't want to miss this question. It yeah. is... Uh, what is one thing people may not know about you? I know this, but I wonder if you yeah. share it. <laughs> no, no, no. Happy to share this one. Uh, it's it's all PC, so it's fine. But um, 
but no, when I when I finished year twelve and and uh, in between VCE and and taking a year off uh, a uni, um, <laughs> I was a garbo. So uh, so for me, um, this was back in the day when you would run behind the truck with a with a team member, and um, you know you'd pick up the trash cans or the garbage yeah. the garbage <laughs> cans and uh, and empty the contents and. <laughs> place them back carefully, of course, and uh, yeah, it was almost like that movie with Emilio Westerfez and yeah. Charlie Sheen, yeah. um, Men at Work, I think it was called. <laughs> so um, no, it was a great job, and um, you know, for me, uh, just a you know great opportunity to understand teamwork, working hard, um, building relationships with people as well. And, yeah. you know, the incentive for us was the harder you work, the faster you got to go home. So yep. um, living down at the coast at the time, you know, I'd come in, get the job done and, and get down to the surf. Ideally, the wind hadn't uh, upset the swell too much. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. You played in a couple of uh, premierships in the GFL as well. Can't yeah. leave that out. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, oh, well, look, I was, um, I was a... I was a pretty average footballer. Um, For but, our international um, listeners. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, but no, was fortunate enough to, you know, play VFL for seven years and then go back to my hometown, Geelong, to, to play um, in a local competition as well, which was great and had success. And, you know, I think team sport as well, when you think about attracting talent to your startups and um, having people that have, have been um, conditioned to um, have, a, have a shared goal, um, be able to play to the rules and work hard together and, and understanding their role as well um, mm. has always been something that I'm passionate about. Um, mm. And, you know, you can look at many different sports, but, um, you know, when you've got people that go, I know what we're trying to achieve, I know the culture that we're trying to, to have in this in this team, but also know the role that I want to play um, and, and the role that someone else needs to play as well to be successful. Um, because we can't all be jack of all trades, mm -hmm. and um, you know when you do attract talent to a startup, having a specific skill set's really important. Um, but in saying that, we all know that there comes from time to time we do wear many hats, and um, whether it's that we're all the receptionist or we're all uh, we're all doing the cleanups or all sorts of stuff. It's as soon as um, you get that attitude of that's not my job in a startup. It's mm -hmm. um, it's it's a real worry. So you know, yep. be always be careful of the type of people that you bring in. That uh, you don't bring that mindset into your organisation or, or your small startup as well. Totally. Now I have to ask you because we are you know coming out of in some regards COVID, and uh, we couldn't do this without addressing it. And I want to talk about opportunity. So obviously, mm. there's going to be huge disruption if not already in the recruitment and employment sector, which yep. you're which you're an expert in. But broadly speaking, are there particular verticals or industries that you would be sort of looking to as a real place to focus your attention as an angel, mm. as an entrepreneur, mm. for emerging markets and, and, and opportunities to seize coming out of this? Yeah. Um, well, look, I've, I've obviously been in the property side of things as well. Um, we're seeing a lot of... Um, a lot of startups in the prop tech space, um, and you know I think uh, a lot of that is um, B two B side of things, but also I think there's an opportunity there from a consumer perspective. Um, I had recently focused on property management, working with investors, mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a real opportunity there. It is getting flooded, don't get me wrong, but um, there is a real opportunity in that space. Obviously. Um, HR or people tech, um, mm -hmm. not necessarily just around the recruitment side of things. Um, 
I think it's around uh, the validation of talent, um, you know, the, the skills and characteristic that um, people bring to, to organisations is really important mm-hmm. um, because it's funny when a, when a recession happens or a pandemic happens, the, uh, it, it all of a sudden changes to being from being desperate to get talent yeah. and there being, you know, low supply to all of a sudden in other areas, then now there's a high supply, unfortunately, because of people who have been um, impacted throughout uh, what's been happening in the last sort yep. of, you know, six to, to 12 months. So, you know, we'll, we'll see a shift there. Um, you know, again, the prop tech, more challenges in that space. And then obviously the med tech side of things as well. Um, you know, mm. how we, you know, the amount of QR codes that I thought that thing was dead QR codes, but... Um, <laughs> But it is alive and well, and you know we're all seeing that in terms of how we uh, we contact trace throughout. You know whether it's hospitality venues or even in you know in your beautiful offices here. So um, yeah. again, I think um, there's going to be a, a, a new way of how we how we coexist in this environment. You know the new normal. Um, how do we uh, how how do people really uh, grasp that opportunity of the new normal? Um, is a really important one, I think, and, and a huge mm. opportunity. Love it. So what haven't we covered? What can we shine a light on? What can we uh, better check out to collaborate with you uh, as an audience, a community? You know, what else can we chat about that's happening in your space? Yeah, I suppose one of the things as well is, you know, working, you know, my offer as well is obviously working with, with investors as well. So, yep. um, you know, it's it's a bit like doing your due diligence on a, uh, on you know, on, on a hire, yep. like it is investing as well. So, um you know, I do a lot of work with uh, potential investors or people making acquisitions as well for small businesses because people often forget um, you're not just buying customers and the product, but you're buying the you, you've got an ongoing concern of the people that you yeah. invest in as well. So um, that is something I think you know. Even in my experience around acquiring businesses and the like, is that people just tend to sort of they see the bottom the bottom line and the revenue numbers, but they don't actually understand okay, who are the people that are actually I'm going to entrust mm. to deliver on what I, what I want? So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so I, I think that's a real, a real opportunity for, um, for investors as well to, to, fe- to feel comfortable. Do your due diligence, not just on the problem, not just on the product and the opportunity, but the people who are going to be driving this and that mm. you're backing every time. Um, you know, you've just come off the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> you know, uh, you know it's great to have a good horse, but you want to make sure that there's a jockey on top and uh, and a good trainer as well. So um, you know, it's it's more than just one dynamic. There's yep. there is a there is a whole you know um, you know a number of facets to to bring that to life. The three T's: team, team, and team. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. No, um, absolutely. You can have. We've we've seen some fantastic products out there. Like we've all we've all seen the examples, and if they've got poor leaders, um, average people, um, or not well led with a with a clearly defined purpose, it can fall over pretty quickly. Yeah, totally. Well, Aaron Rao, people and culture uh, expert, founder, entrepreneur, um, director at Emergo.com.au. Thanks for being on the show, mate. We're going to have to do a part two and do it all again. Oh, I would love to. No, and um, and good luck out there, all those aspiring angel investors or, or startup founders as well. Um, you know, we're going through interesting times and, um, you know, there are there are opportunities out there. And, um, you know, if there's any way I can help, please reach out, go through the website, of course, and um, always happy to have a chat um, because I've been there, done that, and... Um, 
as as someone always said to me, look, if if I've chopped down part of the jungle that you're trying to get through, well, I'm more than happy to to share my learnings and uh, help you find the fastest way there. Aaron Rio, elbow tap. Thanks, mate. <laughs> See care. you guys. Thank you. Bye. And that's all we have time for today on the Angel Investors Access Show, your series with Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. If you're thinking about becoming an angel investor and you don't know where to start, then you know exactly where to head, c2angels.com, and book your angel investment opportunity discovery session now. Until next time, I'm Brandon Burns, and I'll catch you later.